Welcome back to Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and Founding Pastor of The Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Today on Pastor Life, we get to listen in as David interviews a pastor who is leading her church through the reshape process. So David, would you tell us a little bit about our special guest today? Absolutely. Our guest for today's podcast is Lori Harrell. Uh, She is the pastor of Johns Island Presbyterian Church. She has helped to lead them through this crazy COVID time, and they are doing their best to be intentional as we come out of it. And I've been excited to work with her and her congregation, their coordinating team, as they move through the reshape process. And I I think it will be really good to hear from somebody right there on the ground who is moving through this particular process at this particular time. Yeah, so... um just curious, is she a solo pastor or does she have multiple pastors on her staff? Yes, it is a multi-staff church. Uh, it's a very historic church, and uh, hopefully I'll get her to tell us a little bit about that, a church that's been there since colonial times. Oh, wow. So a church with an awful lot of history, but a church in a rapidly changing, rapidly growing community uh, on the coast of South Carolina. And So they are layering into this reshape conversation some thinking and adaptive uh, change that they have been in the process of even before COVID hit. Okay. Well, I'm really excited to hear what she has to say about Chapter 5 in Reshape by Mark Tidsworth, which is all about sorting our progress. That's right. And this past year, we've all learned some things as church leaders about ourselves and about our congregations. Most of us recognize that there's a great opportunity inherent in this moment. There is the opportunity to stop some practices that don't serve the faith or the mission or our churches or communities or even the world very well. There's also the opportunity to continue some of the adaptive change that we've been forced to make throughout the pandemic. And don't forget the opportunities we now have to explore the new horizons that the Spirit has opened up in front of us. That's right. But the question is, is there a good way to do this sorting? Well, that's what we'll explore in this episode together. Sorting our progress. So, David, in Chapter 5 of Reshape, Mark Tidsworth talks about sorting our progress kind of in three parts. The first part is he talks about three buckets that we can kind of think about church programs and traditions and evaluate all of the things that we're doing in our church life and placing those things in this sorting process in these three buckets. There's the continue bucket. There's the stop bucket. And then there's the explore bucket. So the the continue bucket is, what did we start doing, which may need continuing or expanding? The stop bucket, the question is, what did we stop doing, which may not need restarting? There's several things like that in my church. And then there's the explore bucket. You know, what else might the Holy Spirit be nudging us to do as a result of our experience? And so uh, I know you're going to be interviewing Lori about that in her experience in her church, but what about at the welcome table? Are you at a place where you feel like you could do this kind of sorting? 
Yeah, I think we're just getting into it. You know, whenever I hear that word sorting, I think of the sorting hat from Harry Potter. And you know, so I think about, you know, putting that thing on and listening for the little voice inside, which, you know, maybe is a voice in the hat, but maybe it's just some voice inside of our head. I do really think this is important. And I think it is an opportune time. So with the welcome table, I hope, I, I think this is my hope, that there had not been all that much that we had created before COVID and the couple of years that we've existed that we need to give up on or stop. Uh, That's just my hope. My hope is that, you know, we were really still exploring what it means to be the people of God together. And so I think for us that there will certainly be some continue bucket items in the sense of our digital presence, our connections beyond just the physical gathering, you know, things that we learned from COVID in that realm. And then I think the explore bucket is just sort of where we were before COVID. And it's really where we're going to be coming out of COVID as well. How about you, Rhonda? I don't think we're quite there yet. I I think we're still at the reconnecting phase. So we haven't gotten to the, you know, debriefing and and definitely not to the sorting yet. But you were talking about Harry Potter. I've been reminded of Marie Kondo, the whole, you know, (laughs) cleaning out. Um, I think the question, if I remember, it's been a little bit since I've read that, but does this shirt bring me joy? (laughs) Right. (laughs) the question, right, that you ask with everything as you're trying to clean out your house, so to speak. And if the answer is no, then it's time to let it go. And so there are, I think, a number of things at my church, which has been in existence for 72 years, I think there are quite a few things that we could say goodbye to without it doing a whole lot of damage to the world or to the church. And I also think we're at a great place to be able to explore, but we're not quite quite ready to have those conversations just yet, I don't think. Well, I love that that idea of the Marie Kondo and the, does this thing bring me joy? Does this church program bring me joy? Does this aspect of my job description, bring me joy. And maybe a corresponding question for us in the church context is, does this program or does this budget or does this way of being together, does this serve our mission from God or does it not? Yeah. And you talked about job descriptions too. Some of what we're hearing from some of the churches that we're working with is, um, some churches are kind of recreating job descriptions for their staff and kind of taking out things that don't work and putting people in the place where the spirit really needs them. So that's that's exciting. That's that's interesting progress. And, uh, you know, maybe it wouldn't have happened if not for this COVID experience. Right. I think that's one of those ways that we're going to look back at this and see that there have indeed been opportunities to to grow and learn and move further down the road of being God's people in the world. Obviously, lots of challenges, obviously some grief uh, that we need to process. But then I think in this particular podcast episode, in this chapter, sorting our progress helps us to start diving a little deeper into what have we learned and how can this catapult us forward into the next phase of life and ministry together. The biblical image that Mark uses is, you know, separating the wheat from the chaff. You know, you throw it up in the air and the wheat and the chaff are separated. So, you know, that's not always a pleasant experience because we, you know, we grow attached even to programs and 
and budgets and, and whatever that may not be serving the you know the realm of God very well. Yeah, sometimes it's easier for pastors, for church members. Sometimes it's just easier to do those things that we've always done and are comfortable with and maybe could even do with a hand tied behind our back. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the direction God's calling us to or that it serves the even the purposes or mission that we've articulated very well. So that that may be a really great transition into this interview with Lori Harrell and to learn more about her experience and the experience of Johns Island Presbyterian Church. I think we'll learn a few things from Lori as we listen together. So let's welcome Reverend Lori Harrell. Well, Laurie, I'm so glad to have you here and to learn from your wisdom and experience on uh, the podcast. And just maybe we'll start if you would tell us a little bit about yourself, your congregation, the context where you live and serve. All right, David, this is a uh, this is a joy to be able to do this. I um, moved here five years ago from Houston after being there uh, for a city church um, for nine years to Johns Island, which uh, was rural and still is very much where this church that I serve, it's, it's in the center of the island, which is still very much of a rural part of the island. But this church has been here for 300, over 300 years. And the sanctuary was the original sanctuary on the National Historic Register. It's the only time I've had to get in a car to actually go to the sanctuary for Sunday mornings. Uh, we are spread out. Um, there are 38 acres here. So this church has seen the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the great earthquake of the late 1800s to just tornadoes, hurricanes, and has survived. And that's part of the mystery and the draw to it, I believe, for many people. About a third of our people are the original families of Johns Island with that history. A third are uh, retirees and resort people with the islands, Kiowa and Seabrook, that you have to go through Johns Island to get to. And then a third is the bedroom community of Charleston that has just grown by leaps and bounds just in the five years that I have been here. When I came, I was the first woman here. And so it was quite a lot of change for this congregation. And I got a lot of, well, we, we don't do things that way here. And so it was like, oh gosh, I'm not even gonna make it a, a year here. And so we started out with a session of doing things with the Sailboat Church, which is about being open to the Holy Spirit and how the church might be changing to then looking at the shifts that were happening, not just here, but in the North American church with those kind of statistics and things and had just begun going on six initiatives with that when everything was put on hold and we had to turn on a dime with COVID. Wow, yeah. You're expressing a lot of, I think some of the emotions and feelings that pastors had in leading up to, you know, 13 months ago, and when the church world as we knew it sort of stopped and then restarted in slightly different ways. 
hearing about the history of your congregation and the thought of the sanctuary being there on your property from colonial times all the way up through today, that just seems like a great invitation to think about what does it mean to adapt and to change given all of that history? How have your folks adapted during COVID? And are there sort of high points and low points or highlights that you would pick out of the last year? Gosh, David. Uh, well, we have used the um, resilience of this congregation to the history to, to kind of be a grounding and a reminder of who we are and whose we are in the faith of Jesus Christ. So that's been one thing, but um, some of the highlights I, and this has been out of 40 years of ministry, this has been the most challenging I have ever been in. And I know from my colleagues in ministry and our staff, it's been quite that. A year ago, we recorded worship services uh, in the sanctuary and posted them several hours later. And so when this, we had to go into lockdown, so to speak, the first two Sundays were just prayer guides that were sent home that we've done um, the format when, when there, the churches had to close because of a hurricane or an ice storm. Um, but after two weeks, we, we quickly realized that we could be this way for a while and so um, the elders, I just asked who can help us get, get online, get Zoomed or whatever. And so an elder that's worship, he did. And his wife, who um, they've just been crucial to getting us to doing Zoom. And here you've got, I'd say over half our people are over 60, um, even, you know, even in their 80s. And all of a sudden, um, to get them to do in Zoom and be tech savvy. It was just incredible with changes of that. So, so that has, uh, we have changed as the needs have changed. And at first we were doing everything at home, even my doing my meditation and worship to then back in October, um, the worship leaders were in the sanctuary and we had the equipment that had been piecemealed for 10 years all of a sudden have to get scrapped and start over again. And, and worship became more of a team rather than just the pastor and the music director doing it. Uh, if we had a whole team that worked on it. And then uh, January, we went to being one service outside because people really wanted to be together. We were as divided as a congregation as the country Right. Those who, who thought this was nothing and those who took it all very serious and still some have not come back to church. So January, we were, we did, this was freezing. I remember people in their blankets. I was in a coat over my robe outside. And then um, because we knew that in the dead of summer, you couldn't do that here. Right. So then we started having uh, Palm Sunday was our first. We had one outside service and one inside service. We also had added uh, the FN modulator. So those who were at the outside service could be in their cars. Nice. Uh, and do a honk honk for uh, pass it of the peace. Um, people started bringing their dogs. Um, we also saw people, you know, 
still on Zoom at home. Uh, we had the inside service streamed. And so we have continued with this hybrid of having an outside service, an inside service, Zoom streaming now on Facebook Live to uh, YouTube to also the FM modulators. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, you and know. we did a blessing of the animals two weeks ago and people with all their dogs that are now coming to church and cats, you know, on the screen back home. And we had uh, two sheep, three sheep, a couple of ponies. It was, it was the wild. And we did it not after church, but as church. <laughs> I'd love to see a video of that. That'd be great. You know, I guess sort of the flip side of looking at this, my initial way of thinking was, oh, here's a church that's been in this one place for 300 plus years or, or so. That's going to be a church that's not likely to be flexible and adaptable. But the flip side of that, I guess, would be it's there 300 years later because all along the journey, it's probably been flexible and adaptable through all sorts of experiences. Does that strike you as, as right? And do you see signs of that in the people who are there? Yes. So it's hard to imagine, David, with the busy road out in front of the church. But we have members who can remember when that was a dirt road. Mm. Who came yeah. for their wedding and, and a horse and buggy kind of thing. I mean, which is kind of hard. Wow. But I, it was to remind the congregation of those roots and those times, hard times, even like at the end of the Civil War, this church went from 546 members to 46 because 500 were slaves. And this that church that grew out of that is just down the road from us. And so not only was it the pandemic, but also last May, when the riots and the racial injustice exploded, you know, bursting, this church was threatened hmm. with fire. Hmm. Um, that was a threat. So on the social media. So, so, and so for our brothers and sisters, I mean, it's brought us closer down the road with them and the changes, but it's to remember also, it didn't come easy to be right. here this long. Yeah, the fact that you exist as a congregation is a testament to adaptation and to being able to sort of hoist the sails and let the spirit blow. That's exactly right. I mean, it just, um, it's been exhilarating for me as a pastor. I, it's, it's just been incredible journey, but that doesn't mean that there weren't nights that I, I just cried myself to sleep. <laughs> right. And and, you know, project that back over the pastors who've led your congregation for 300 years. And I'm sure there are moments in its history where they might have said some of the same things, right? And, and our session had not wrestled with very hard issues uh, in a while. When I came here, this church had gone through a major conflict with the denomination and decided to stay in the denomination but session meetings were very polite. You only did your report, nothing else. Well, we had built the relationship to be able to 
talk about hard things, but nothing like in this past year. Yeah. And so to see the session grow with the wrestling has, has been to me um, a joy. Well, and I hope, and, and I think we're going to shift a little bit and talk specifically about the reshape process. But some of my hope with the reshape initiative is that it helps to cultivate within congregations a sense of our capacity for adaptive change. You know, just to know, hey, we we faced a very difficult, disruptive year, and we adapted. We did well. We did our best, and we did some things we didn't think we could do. So that when the next adaptive challenge comes around, and it will. You know, might be, might be next year. Uh, we'll be more confident in our ability and capacity to shift and change and do what's needed to keep our mission that God has called us to, to keep it going in the world. I think last spring it was such a, a shock, but also feeling like we were all in the wilderness and there was no clear path. And I joined a... Um, a couple of things that Pinnacle had done, and it was uh, with Mark Tidsworth using the Great Grace image, which became part of the Reshape book, and about understanding the lapse and what we were feeling. And so then Mark and uh, Tidsworth and Dan Holloway did a thing for our presbytery, and our elders heard about Reshape, and that was the springboard for us as a session to vote unanimously to do it. That's great, that's great. And, you know, we're still in the midst of the reshape process with this first batch of churches, this first cohort of churches and Johns Island has been one of those. And I know you all have made it through the small group portion of reshape and have collected a lot of the information and insights from those small groups. And particularly I'd be interested to hear what has stood out to you from the small group feedback um, and, and maybe particularly a little bit about the sorting exercise and the idea uh, around what are the things that we keep, what are the things that we leave behind and maybe what are the things that we continue to explore? I'm just gonna be honest, at first, it was very threatening to people, you know, um, and, and about quote reshape, you know, that we're gonna reshape the church and it, and, and it wasn't, that took, you know, people were a little bit skittish of it, but the small groups ended up being where people did that reconnecting and they're still reconnecting. And I know uh, the churches that have done reshape and our group and our collective group, we're all dealing with that we're still coming out of this. Uh, but oh my gosh, thank God that we have stayed with it and struggled with this reshape. But the sorting exercise, I think, was more fun than people thought. <laughs> uh-huh. And so, um, and we did like a, a top 10 immediately stop kind of a bucket. And, and, and the groups all kind of saw the same thing, even though they said it in different ways. And it was from, you know, stop having only one service as a church. Hmm. Um, you know, stop the same people in leadership doing the same kind of jobs kind of thing. Yeah. And then the continue buckets, uh, well, you would think it would be, well, continue having worship, 
it was they saw that we'd already been doing this for the last year. Their continue was continue live streaming the service. Oh, yeah. Even when we all come back together, continue surprisingly using time and talent sheets hmm. and better utilize them to know who we are with the different gifts so more people can be in leadership. Um, continue having not just elders do be worship leaders, which is how it was before COVID, to having all ages and families and youth and different people be able to do that worship. Then there was a kind of exploring, uh, came up with a top 10 list. And so small group, develop our small groups because it was the small groups that were already established were just a few that kept in contact and kept people going and people saw the value of those small groups. Um, explore having two services, but one with, well, to not just have inside services. People love these outside services. And so the times a year that we can do it, let's do it. And what else can we do? It was the first time they had done a blessing of the animals, but there was this freedom to do that because everything was out of the norm. You know, it wasn't the norm anymore. We did a sunrise service in the midst of the graveyard behind the church that was huge. And we started out with uh, kind of like a reverse of Christmas Eve. People love Christmas Eve with the candlelight. People came around in the graveyard with their candles. And then with the sun rising, the candles went out. So it's just kind of um, another thing about that is our staff explore the realigning of our staff and to hire somebody who is our AV tech website outreach streaming person, have a full-time custodian who would help set up, take down things instead of it just being on a bare skeleton kind of staff. The other thing was with the 38 acres here, people had not really paid much attention to what we have of the beauty and the space. And when we could only worship outside, that has been a, a explore of, oh my gosh, we should have an outdoors chapel area. We should do more things with our woods. We are on a creek. Let's clear out so we can see the creek that's behind the church that was the original way that people came 300 years ago to church. They came by the water. They came by the water. And wow. so it's, yeah. you know, keeping around the five core functions of the church, you know, with worship, discipleship, uh, care, serving, managing. Out of these three buckets came four major things. One was growth. This church needs to embrace a growth orientation to match the explosion of growth on this island and in this community. The second one was congregational ministry, to the need to rethink how we do care for people. This church 30 years ago did away with a deacon or a diaconate. We think we should do something like that again, especially as we grow. I've already said staff was another one. 
and then our facilities and grounds. I think it's great and maybe even amazing that there was as much clarity that came out of the small group feedback. And uh, as the coach that's been working with your congregation, it's been fun to see how well they have processed that feedback and managed to bring it back to the congregation in a, a very concise, but I think powerful way. And, you know, to think about some of those things like, oh, we had to worship outdoors and it just opened this window to how could we use our campus in a better way as a setting for worship and ministry? You know, I think that's really the, the best of what we were hoping out of a process like this, out of the reshape process. So I guess, you know, one of my questions for you is, as you look back at your time in ministry at Johns Island Prez, and as you look at this last year, and then as you look into the future, you know, what are the things that you're hopeful about? What's, uh, what, what are you taking from this process, or maybe just from your thinking or your conversations with folks around your congregation that is, is giving you hope? Well, let me be honest. <laughs> I'm getting ready to retire in two weeks. And so uh, I knew it over a year ago that I was re- going to retire this, hopefully sometime this year. Um, but I never felt like I could tell people or plan for it with the session because we were in such a crisis mode, um, really till uh, about February and March, it's getting better and better. But uh, I knew with reshape and how it's a way to react to what has happened to us and to grow from it, to adapt and see where the spirit was working. I knew back in November when the session said, yes, we want to do reshape, that reshape could very well prepare the leadership and the congregation of, you know, we can do this, even if our pastor is leaving, um, this is where we want to go, rather than putting this on hold and saying, oh, well, we can't do anything until the new pastor comes. And that has been a major consensus that has come out of this, is that this church should not wait for a new pastor to begin making these changes. And actually, it's to continue change in so many different ways. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, at a worship committee meeting this past week, they said, well, we're just going to assign the elders to be the worship leaders since we're going into this time of interim. And somebody else, else spoke up and said, no, we enjoy having different people of all ages lead us in worship from children with their families to the youth who did the blessing of the animals um, and no. <laughs> and so that has really given me hope that the church is not going to just snap back to what was but to what is and what could be. And this whole sense of trusting that God is going to lead this church, even when it feels like it's wandering in the wilderness at times, um, that to me is part of uh, that resilience that we talked about that I think is the heritage of 
this particular congregation. Well, and it seems to me like Reshape has given you a pathway or a platform to, to really take some of the things you were working on before COVID, pick them back up, look at them again, uh, and then propel them into this next chapter of the church's life. And I know that your retirement as a, as a piece of that puzzle, you know, was a, a, a thing that, you know, you wonder, will it throw a wrench into some of this or how will it play? And, you know, is it just one more thing on top of a lot of disruption? But the reality, I think, has been that through each of those steps along the way, they've kind of built on one another. And the momentum that your congregation and its leaders and that, that you have helped to lead, you know, I really hope it's going to springboard into the interim and that they're going to be able to take some of the things that have coalesced during the reshape process and some of the sorting process. You know, what do we leave behind? What do we absolutely want to take with us as we move ahead? And, and what's still sort of a holy experiment that's waiting to, to happen? I'm really hopeful for your congregation that it's going to be just a wonderful springboard and transition and that they'll do a great job of celebrating you and your ministry there. And then they'll be ready and poised to move forward into the next phase. I agree. Um, amen, David. <laughs> I just, uh, it, it's just, I'm just very grateful that I can um, have this, I've had this experience and the challenge and that the church, I think, is ready to, to be on that cusp of what's next, what's God leading us to. Well, I think that's maybe a great spot to just kind of wrap up the conversation. That's, uh, that's the perfect place. That's where I think, that's where the hope is. That's where the energy is. You know, this year's taken a lot out of all of us, church participants, church leaders, you know, really everyone that has lived through and made it through this COVID year. But now we're poised and there are some things that I think we bring with us that we didn't have beforehand. Thanks for sharing about the ways that your congregation is moving through this and looking to the future. Well, that's it for this episode of Pastor Life from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. Be sure and check out our website at pinlead.com, that's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com, to learn more about Pinnacle, Pastor Life, or about how you can lead your church through the reshape process. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly e-news with relevant articles and other resources from our team, as well as information about upcoming webinars and coaching cohorts. Boom, chickalaka. All right, all right. That's what I say with my seven-year-old, and it works in that context. <laughs> hey, but... it works here just as well. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. That's what we say around here. So. <laughs>